Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David Harder. From the hallowed halls of epic financial strategies and the epic Productions Podcast Studio. Welcome everybody to Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the endless and everlasting pursuit of of creating infinite sales opportunities through ecosystem mergers. And tonight is absolutely no different. Uh, Good evening, everybody. We have the mighty Anthony Trucks joining us. Anthony, are you there? Yeah, I am, man. What's up? What's, What's up, up, buddy? How are you? I love, I'm doing love good, the tonality. Yeah. I love the voice tonality already. Hanging out, man. I'm just, I, it's my last, here's the thing. I've been going since 6 a.m. my time. It's 4 o'clock. I'm, we're going to be done at, what, 5? And then I got a half-hour break, and I go to football practice with my son. So I'm ripping, running, but I still got, I got the energy, man. I'm good to go. I love it. I love it. And as always, everybody, I am joined by my partner and the CEO of Epic Financial Strategies, Mr. Rob Gill. Rob? The stage is yours, my brother. So, for Dave, thank you so much for the awesome introduction. Anthony, it's so nice to meet you, and thank you for sharing um, exactly where, you're at, where you are so far today. How are you tonight, my friend? I'm Happy good, Tuesday. man. I like, I like what we got going on. We got the cameras. Who, who's over there switching? You guys got the little director switching it up. I like yeah, we, it, know, man. We got, we, got, we got Double D, Danny Drew, and Parker Russo in the house with Eddie Gardner hey. and Billy Kostecki. Pros, bro. I like it. I like I like operate with professionals. Looks good. Slick. Well done, fellas. Listen, I love your background too, and I love your voice tonality. It's incredible. Oh, thank you, man. Awesome. I like to have fun, hang out, do awesome. some cool stuff if I can. Do some hood right thing to so, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so are you on the uh are you on the West Coast? Is that where you're at? I am. I'm in San Francisco, Cal. Well, I'm, I'm outside of San Francisco. I live in a town called Walnut Creek. So East Bay Area, yeah. Is that where you're originally from? I'm from there. Yeah, from this area. So I was born in Martinez, and I grew up in a town called Antioch, which is not a very amazing town. It's actually the yeah. claim to fame. This is going to be gross and weird, but the claim to fame out here, unfortunately, well, we got a better claim. Um, one is it's that guy. Remember, there's a guy who kidnapped that little girl and like kept her in his house for like 18 years. Oh God, yes. yes. Hometown. Shout out to Antioch. And then, uh... <laughs> did you happen to pass by the house where she was at? Uh, I've never been. I don't want to go down there. It's weird stuff. But no, we actually have a guy. Um, Najee Harris is the most recent kind of like stud that came out of there. So he went to Anak High, played at Alabama, nice with the Steelers. So he's a local oh, dude. Um, and then there's some dude named Anthony Trucks. He's a pretty cool guy, I heard. Yeah, I, listen, I heard Anthony Trucks doesn't give a you-know-what. That's what About I heard. What? No, I give, I give a lot okay, of you-know-what. You know just depends on <laughs> what I'm giving. I mean, I do. I care a lot so, about humanity. So listen. Half the stuff I, I don't care in the world. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on today and thank you for sharing, um, you know, where you grew up and, and yeah. some of the things that it's not famous, although famous for um, it. Was it a small town and or was a it bit. a bigger town? Like, not, was, now it's got was bigger. Like growing up there? Uh, well, growing up was interesting. I grew up in foster care, man. So I was given away as a kid and I grew up in an all white family. And so we we're really poor, too. So I grew up in a non-diverse area. So I, I got a whole bunch of black moments, we'll call it, from growing up out there with, you know, little kids that have some things to say and mom and dad aren't the greatest people. So it was a very interesting childhood for me wow. growing up. However, it's one of those things where like with anything we do in life, there's actually a benefit if you look for it. So in hindsight, while I did not like a lot of it, I do appreciate it immensely because it created a different guy. Like we, I got a whole bunch of weird jokes and I got a different kind of human strength that most people won't garner for a lot of time uh, just in life. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, now it's a bigger town. It's a much darker town. Uh, so, Anthony, let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, you know, you grew up in four. How old were you when you started to live in uh, foster homes? Like what age were Three. you? Okay, well, yeah. was it one family or was it a couple of families? Like, what was that? No, like? in totality, I want to say it was five. I want to say it was five. And in my sixth house is my current house. So I guess a total of six, but there's a bunch of different houses. It started at three years old. The first wow. house I got to go with my little brother. And then after that, we always dispersed to separate houses. And so we were all in different places, different parts of the state and kind of just all over the place. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, so- yeah, three years old. So, Anthony, let me ask you this, because a lot of people on a, you know, a lot of our people that we work with, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. clients, uh, yeah. business partners, you know, I don't often and and I'll get into some of my background, including being shot at uh, the person I was with being shot. 
But long before all that, I don't really speak to a lot of folks that have been in foster homes the way you have. And thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that, by the way. Um, what was that like as it built your character from grammar school to high school? Um, and also, you know, the pain of not being with your brother all the time. Well, I had two sisters too, man. The, the interesting thing is I was so young that I knew they existed. So it wasn't this, it wasn't a whole, like you'd assume, like most people grow up with their siblings. And so you, when you put that framing into your mind, the perspective is like, all right, well, uh, I grew up, I have this, this relationship and to have my sister, but not there. It's like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that gift. I didn't have the connection, the same level. So it. it's unfortunate that that depth of connection and bond wasn't, wasn't, you know, bolstered. But then, you know, it did give me, I think there's something that, that goes with the ability to take the things that happen that are difficult and genuinely find a way to make them useful and tools to do well. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people in my situation, foster kids don't do well. That's why 75% of prison inmates in America are former foster kids. Like we just, there's a lot that happens that we desire retribution and some get back from what took place and revenge, right? So for me, when I got into like, you know, going through the situations in school, when you were working escape? through those, you have to find a way to get strong. How did you escape some of those temptations? I don't know if you escape them. I didn't completely. You know, you know, just to be honest. So whenever I was a kid in high school, like I got in trouble. I got arrested for breaking into cars because with the wrong people doing dumb kid stuff at night. Like you just, you know, you don't fully escape it until you find something else that you can anchor yourself to. I think that the biggest issue we have in society when people are, are trying to leave a place that they're currently at is that we're trying to go out. It's kind of like, like you've already built a house you live in, right? This person, this identity, this life you're living and we don't want to leave it mostly because there's no other house to go to. And, and so it's kind of like, I guess, metaphorically, it's like you're going to be homeless. You're going to leave this position, this group of people. And right. So the idea is when you want to get somewhere new, you build something new so you can go live in that house, that identity, that, that life. That's incredible. What I'm hearing in, in, in the language that, that, that we talk here is um, you were able to gain leverage on yourself, disrupt the pattern, define the probable and solvable terms, and then create a, an empowering alternative. Right. So yeah. Frame it that way. Gaining leverage. Yep. Disrupt the pattern, mm-hmm. uh, define the problem in solvable terms, and then be able to create an empowering alternative. And then obviously test that alternative through trials and tribulations of what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And I, and I wish I could say like, as a kid at 15 years old, that was the thought process, but it absolutely was not. If you find that 15 year old, bro, let me know. Cause he's going to be a savant, but for me, it would just like, <laughs> figure your life out. <laughs> I think I would, I think I would love to, to have a program that educates that 15 year old. Right. Like, yeah. I think that that's kind of, yeah it's best is and it'd be ideal yeah yeah but the problem is kids and so i do a lot of stuff with at-risk kids at-risk youth and and the problem is is that a lot of them they don't trust adults right because they just they've done some horrible things i I get a little bit of a different push because i was a foster kid so to listen a little bit more but the reality is is there are programs that exist there are phenomenal people serving these kids but the kids don't want to be served yet and this is and while i'm talking about kids there are a lot of adults with the same thing they have a lot of things that they could get help with a lot of programs that could help them but people aren't prepared yet to drop the egos enough to be able to go and, and admit they need help and give themselves permission to improve. So yeah. while these things exist, people ask me, Anthony, why don't we have more positive role models for kids? Oh, no, they exist, but they just want to go hang out with and pay attention to the rapper who's dancing butt naked in the showers. Like that's what they want to pay attention to <laughs> nowadays. It's not the person that's like, hey, be a doctor, go do great, be a good mom, be a good dad, go be a lawyer. That's not enticing at the age. And nowadays with the society and social media, it is way more like dopamine dumping to watch somebody on TikTok take a bath full of Cheerios and Fruit Loops than it is to to be better. And so we're just we're fighting a very uphill battle against a, a society that really it's being programmed through social media where everyone has a voice. And I don't think everybody needs to have a voice. Well, Anthony, that was well said, brother. Um, so as we transition through high school, athletics seem to be a part of your, your exponential growth. Is that where you began to excel from a sports perspective? And yeah. what did that look like into your next phase? That's human perspective. You know, sports is like a microcosm of the world in a, in a really cool way. Cause if you think about sports, it, it teaches you how to deal with, you know, hardship, communication, taking feedback from some individuals that you may not want to hear how to hear what somebody's saying, not how they're saying it. It teaches you how to work real hard, how to get back up when you lose a lot of these things. And so sports at that time, while it became an outlet, to be quite honest, I think the sport gave me more than I gave it. It just in a sense of understanding how to be a better human, but also whenever you pour into something, we as humans have an investment bias, which I give of something I want to return. Yeah. Now you could, you get that with money. I give money. I want more money. But when it comes to sports or pouring out the return is sometimes like you want the cheers, but really what you get is that sense of bolstered confidence, 
this bolstered sense of who I am. I see myself differently. And while, yes, I'm talking about this athletic endeavor and that concept there, it happens the exact same way and quite literally anything else you do. It could be, you know, writing a book, riding a bike, you know, taking, building a statue out of clay, no matter what it is. When you invest into something, the return is that thing that gives you the sense of like, this is who I am. And it gives you a pride. And I believe pride's a missing piece for a lot of individuals. And, you know, any kind of investment takes its own time. It does. Uh, T-I-M-E, things I must earn mm-hmm. at the um, pace of what the universe is going to provide, right? Not to get universal, but the point is, you know, you put in the work. I got two sons and a daughter. My yeah. my, my one son is going to be a sophomore. Um, my other son's going to be a freshman. Mm-hmm. And my freshman has benefited from being a younger brother. Not only is he taller, but he's excelling at a much faster pace. You know, oh, he will, yeah. in the same work than my, my sophomore, because the difference is one's in his head and the other one's in his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's yeah, They're all built differently. Yeah. yeah. And you can see that. And I think that, um, everything you're sharing is so powerful. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Um, and wh- where did you go to college? Uh, University of Oregon, man. Go ducks. Yeah. As you can see in the corner, I got this little helmet right here. That's that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't yeah. tell the University of Oregon. It's it's technically state property, so it's illegal <laughs> for me to have it. But I took it anyways. <laughs> and, and what years were you there? Uh, I got there in '02, so '02, '03, '04, hmm. and then '05, and I played uh, in the Holiday Bowl against oh. Oklahoma and Adrian Peterson. That was my last game, so I played four years, uh, and then I left. I didn't get a redshirt fifth year, and that was it. So then '06 was the draft that I entered. And what happened? What happened there? I did not get drafted. I got, I was a priority free agent with the Buccaneers. So I, I got signed with them like five minutes after the draft closed. Yeah. And did you stay, how long was that? Like, what did that I mean? got hurt? Well, I got cut. I didn't get hurt that year. I got hurt later on, but I got cut. If I want to say last cut, I was one of the last eight guys to get cut in 2006. And then I got signed week 13 of that same year with the Washington Redskins. Now the Washington football team. Yeah. And did you, how long were you with the Redskins? I was with them to the next year. We got all through preseason, the very first season game, like five guys got hurt. And then I got, I was on the chopping block. So I got cut and they kept my backup. So this day, I don't doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they, they, they cut me and kept the dude that was backing me up. Super weird. And then, uh, then week nine, I got picked up by the Steelers. Oh, by seven, the way, whatever it's worth. Um, Steelers are my favorite team. Growing oh, up. I'm glad. Yeah, that works. I mean, what year my, I, I, of all the teams I played for, it's my favorite. It's kind of that thing where like, you know, say you, you, um, I don't know, say you work for like McDonald's, like go Wendy's. You're like, bro, I don't care. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you know. Wait, what, so, what year, what year were you on the Steelers? Was it? I was with their 07 into 08. The first so preseason you were the game. Super Bowl team. Yeah. I was, thank you for rubbing that in. Cause I got hurt the first preseason game oh. tore my shoulder and I had a choice. They're like, you want to stay around? Or you want to go home? So I, I was like, oh bro, cut me a check, send me home. And then they win a Super Bowl. Uh, I was yeah. at the AFC Championship game that year. Yeah, uh, I wasn't. I was watching yeah. it somewhere. I was there, brother. Sad. Seventh row, and it was freezing. It was in Pittsburgh. Hey, but they won. Hey, yes. they, they kept winning some games. Ain't nothing yes. wrong with that. They are good yes. people, though. To be quite honest, a good team, good coaching. Good. There was, there was a good squad. There's a reason that they won. It wasn't by accident. Yeah, and the defense that year, if you remember, was just unbelievable. Yeah, I was a linebacker. I remember it for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Just going. Do you want to keep digging my heart out, bro? Keep going. <laughs> I mean, just, just, we just keep. I can cry on on camera if you'd like. <laughs> so, um, incredible journey. Um, yeah. And what are you up to now? Like, what is what is all those experience? What has it led to? I see that you know you have your own you know studio there. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, what are the many things that you're doing to make the world a better place. Cause I, uh, I help my wife uh, fix toilets at her, her business. My, my kids, I tote them around. I'm a dad. Here's I'm, I, I'm joking. I'm going to, here's the thing. I'm going to, you got to be in a loose mood. Everybody's here hanging out. It's like, we're all hanging out, like drinking yeah. a, a cup of coffee. Right? This is just Anthony. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop playing around. It's it's part of my personality. I'm sorry. I, just, I'm, I, I, I like Anthony. I'm, I'm good. Hey, I'm good with Anthony too. I Let's like go. that dude, <laughs> but no, uh, I the core of me. I'm a dad and husband to be quite honest. Like I am, I'm in season of dad. The things that I do in my, opinion are wrapped around how can I be a father first and a husband first a man of God first and the business stuff takes care of itself however the only way I can show up thoroughly there and like be fulfilled and do all the stuff I do is if I'm, I'm serving at a level that allows my heart to feel like I'm I'm pouring out but getting filled up so now in my world I take all the craziness of life and I say hey what did I learn in that what can I share that inspires right but an inspiration is an interesting piece because I think inspiration, it fails to do this, the job it's supposed to. 
to an extent. A lot of people come on like, hey, here's a cool story. You go, oh, I feel inspired, right? And then people walk away and then it's gone. And then like, I didn't do it. I didn't do the true service of here is how you take that and apply that to do something cool with it. So what I started doing was like creating process. So like, while I'm a football guy and like, I may be like borderline laws is a jock. I spent a lot of time learning and understanding how to teach, understanding concept and process. So I could go and say, hey, here's what I did in my life. Here's how I got to this level. Here is extracted from my brain a process you can apply to your life to get to the next level like that. Now, whatever your next level is, I say making shift happen. Mm-hmm. My, my academic work is in the realm of identity, and that's a, a deeper conversation. But it's essentially the way I look at it is when you have an identity that is matched with your dreams, your dream will come true. That, that's mm-hmm. if it's not matched, you're going to be fighting against the grain. You'll eventually right. give up or you'll get there and burn out. It just sucks. So my work is how do I get you to shift into that identity? And that's what we go through. What I call the shift method and I guide. So when you say, what do I do now? I deliver the shift method in segments of my story in speeches, in a book, uh, which comes out in August 24th, like two weeks uh, in my coaching programs, live streams, podcasts. It's just, I share my real life and what's really going on in real time. But I also go, hey, if you want to be able to have results like this, this is what you follow to get it done. So, so for the folks that are on here, if they wanted to reach out to you, how do they reach out to you? Go outside to get a, a flare gun, shoot in the sky, and start barking like a dog. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no, you just go. If you go to at uh, Anthony Trucks on Instagram, send me a message that says "shift." That's like my thing. That is like my word. Just have to be shift, and I will go back and like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Now I may direct you to my team to have a conversation about the programs, but I I am a human, and I think the one thing that I don't like about my industry is that some people are like they're these kings on high, and they just I I separate myself completely. At the moment, with the ability to how I run my life and built the business, I am present. So it's not people talking to some arbitrary human. Like I try to interact as much as I humanly can with people on my socials. That's where I, I work with people, right? So I'm a people person. I like yes. people. Like that whole, you know, office space. So <laughs> for me, I like that. And that's so go there, message me, I'll have a conversation, and we can guide you to the next level. We work with, I mean, the, the Amazons, the PayPals, T-Mobiles, Lockheed Martin. We work with different businesses that are like personal development stuff. I just got done working with a company called Pure Romance last mm. Friday yep. up on stage in front of 3,000 women. Uh, wow. t- and I'm just teaching, but like they sell, you know, things that go in your body that they like. It's a whole different world. Well, but I serve at a high level everywhere. I mean, Anthony, I know that you know, and I think Big Daddy Kane said it best in 1989 when he said yeah. that romance without a finance is a nuisance. That's so I think if you would have started yeah. that, uh, speech. Uh, I probably time. should have. Man, I dropped the ball. <laughs> I, mean, I gotta go back. It would have, it would have definitely disrupted the pattern of the audience. It definitely back. would have definitely disrupted the pattern. Rob, that's that's the that would have been an interesting one. I'm not gonna take your advice. I'm gonna get booed <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> um, so, what does it look like for you? Why are you doing all this? You know, five or ten years from now. And and by the way, for yeah. me, I'm thinking, wow, what a tremendous story heretofore, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, between the journey of, of, you know, grammar school, high school, college, yeah. you know, really, you know, going to different teams and, and overcoming what you had to overcome. Did all that match your, your blueprint and life condition? Absolutely. Right now. I think right now you're living in your best life is what I, what I'm hearing. Yeah. I love my life right now, but yeah. I broke it first. I absolutely broke my life. I, as much as like football is like, oh, it was cool. And most people go like, oh, I went like from like football to like here. It was like, no, I went from like Mm-mm. football to way down here. And mm-hmm. then like came back up over here, right? It's, it's a journey, dude. So I left the game of football. And, and any, any of us that have built something and spent time in something that has taken you a year, two years, three years, you've poured out that investment that the return was like, this is who I am, right? This is my identity. And when, when you wake up some point in time, whether it's by choice or by chance, for me, by chance, injury, some people by choice, yep. a new job, a new relationship, a new business, whatever, like choose that. One day you'll wake up and you'll realize it'll hit you like, I can no longer do that thing I was doing for so long. Mm. It can be parenting. It can be leaving the military. It doesn't matter what it is. And you're met with this mm. gaping hole of like, well, who am I without that? That's an identity crisis. Yes. And we don't plan for it. We don't always plan for it. And we also jump into things because they're exciting. And again, we don't build that house. So we're left in the street and like, oh, well, I can't go back and do this. But I'm out here. I haven't built this thing I'm proud of now. Oh, and we get this, this really weird space. And we have that Victor Frankl existential vacuum that uh, let me fill this gaping hole with you know drugs and women and men and, and all mm. this craziness. Well, the reality is like I went through that journey of crazy. Like I, I came out of the game and I lost the game. And then I was married, had three kids. And I wasn't a good husband, wasn't a good father. Marriage fell apart. I was out of shape, couldn't do football. It's just all of it. So everything that made me me was gone. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like suicidal. I'm like, I don't want to live this life. I was at one point living in a 500 square foot studio apartment with my kids on an air mattress next to the bed, twin bed, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm not even kidding. Like I, it was itty bitty. I didn't have a fridge. It was, it was the weirdest thing, man. And this is after football. This is like, I'm talking like, look at me. I sign autographs and I'm in my house behind one of my staff's girlfriend's house. Bro, it was really low, low. And I, I climbed out of it, to be quite honest. It was just this journey that I now teach. It's been a journey of it all. It took me years, but now I can shortcut like three months for people. Yep. But to be honest, like it wasn't this amazing. Where I'm at now is because in the process of doing it all, I was able to figure out areas where like I needed to pretty much quiet up the ego because the yeah. ego, I believe, is a beneficial thing, but also a horrible thing if, if used improperly. Because yep. the ego, I say, is EGO, everyone's greatest obstacle, mm-hmm. but also everyone's greatest opportunity because the ego will protect whatever identity it has in place. When I was a yeah. football player, it protected that identity. Get to the weight room, read your playbook, eat your food, that protected it, right? But again, it protects whatever's there, just no matter what. So at the time after football, I got this. I played in the NFL. You can't tell me nothing. I'm great. And it protected that. Yeah. And the reality was until I could pull that back and go, dude, you suck as a husband, as a father. You're the common denominator in all your problems, aunt. But I could do that. I never gave myself permission. Did, to did anybody help you get there? Like, did no. anyone help you yeah. get to that jumping well, I'll off say, point? I'll say yes and no. Okay. Yes, because a lot of people supported me. But I'll okay. say no, because no one got through for a while. Yeah. I unfortunately did what most people have to do. And we, we just, we get to the bottom, 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 because we don't let anybody help us. And was it wasn't anybody's clarity. Yeah. Was I was sitting in the car, like sitting in the car after I'd sent a text message to friends and family looking for rat poison. Like that's when the clarity comes mm. in. Cause you're like, this shit is not a good life right now. And you're just sitting yeah. there. Yeah. And yeah. so like that, that was, I'll tell you, that's my clarity. And so in these like moments, I figure out like, how do I come out of this? Yeah. It, it, it wasn't easy at first to share, but at this point, I realized that that my my story that I tell is not my story; it's my experience. It's the world's story. Is, so when I when I tell these things, yeah, I, yeah. I give them out in a sense of like, look, I, people look at me and go, "This dude's God. He's got his wife and his family and his, his business." And like, oh, he, bro, it was a journey, mm-hmm. a journey. But here, and here's the realistic way of how I look at all of this. When it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, I fell in love with the day and not just the destination. Mm. I could leave you guys with something if I had to get off right now. It'd be that too many people are falling in love with the destination. And, and what happens is we, we miss out on the reality of you got to fall in love with the day, because if you love the day, the destination will be amazing no matter what it is. But if you hate the days, the destination will still suck when you get there. Like if I'm traveling to you guys across the country and I leave my house and it's raining outside and I get all wet and I get in the car and a car takes me to the wrong airport. And then I get to go to the other airport. I got to catch a late flight and I six to a baby the whole time. And I land over there. I could show up to the stinking Taj Mahal and I'll still be in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. Ah, right. But if I leave my house, it's sunny outside. The limo's early. They take me to a cool spot to get some food. I get to the airport and they upgrade me to first class and I'm sitting there flying over and I land. You, you come outside with this little sign and I get to go take this cool limo ride to my hotel. It could be a crappy hotel, but I'm like, hey, it's cool. I'm in a good mood. Let's get a better one. Yes. Like, I still make it good. Yes. So, so many people are trying to get to these destinations in life and thinking I'm going to get there and be happy. Not if you hate the day, man. So what I realized was like, I had to fall in love with doing the things that I hated to do, but would bring upon the, like me, the life I wanted. And you just, you start doing them. And at first they suck yeah. and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not me. It's out of character. And that's the thing I tell people too. Out of character isn't a bad thing. Out of character simply means it's not the character you are now. Yeah, the other character is a higher level one. So it's out yep, of character, yep. but it's good. Right. It's so you do these things, the more you do it now, it becomes who I am. And here's a beautiful space. When you can get to the point where the things that you do that are hard to do, it becomes harder not to do them. Mm. Life changes because mm. it's needle moving stuff. Let's be no matter if it's the action that you know is going to move the needle. But right now it's out of character. It's hard to do. After a while, you do it so much. It's who you are to do it. So when you yeah. don't do it, it's like, oh, I can't go to bed tonight. I didn't get that workout in. I didn't read that book. I didn't say that thing. Well, now it gets done with ease. It's effortless effort. That's how life becomes special. That's why there's certain people who they have things, not because of the information only or the network only, but it's, it's who they are. And when it's yeah, who yeah. you are, when your identity matches the dream, now it rolls. <laughs> and you could create it. You could create a predictable outcome uh, by doing can. that more and more. hundred uh, percent can. Over to you, David. What do you, what do you, um, what are you feeling right now? What yeah, no, I, I, I'm feeling a tremendous. Um, what I'm feeling is Anthony, you know, they say when, you know, and you just described it when the pain exceeds the fear, you take action. Right. Yeah. So, you know, post rat poisoning, right. Um, 
you talked to, and on your website, it says, you know, my, pur- my purpose shifted, you know, and you have mm-hmm. a great quote on there, you know, remember that the happiest people are not those give, uh, giving are getting more, but giving more, yeah. but you know, you didn't snap your fingers and all of a sudden become a successful coach, right? You had, Absolutely and, and a successful husband or, or, mm-hmm. or, or parent, right? Yeah. What were, what were the day in and day out must do activities that sucked that you hated, but that shaped who you were? What were the action steps that you took? Yeah. yeah. First of all, you have to, they're different for everybody. So I'll tell you what mine were, but nobody in here right now should go and borrow these and take them. It would be um, unrealistic for it to help your life unless you know, for sure it's your thing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of people will hear these things and take notes and go, I'm going to go do that. And the problem is, you'll end up climbing a ladder, lean against a building, get to the top of the building and go, oh, the ladder's leaned against the wrong building. You were doing it's the like, wrong It's stuff. like watching a Rocky movie and then going out and trying to hit the heavy bag. Yeah, bro, it's not your thing. And not, not to say it can't, it very well could be, but you better be sure it's your stuff and you'll be broken, burned out and, and just, it'll suck. So the things for me were, I knew that in my marriage, there's things that happened and I had to own up to them. And my work was, was being very clear consistently that I was sorry and I knew my, my area of my problems with it all and I was going to work on them. So here's the thing. Whenever you want to change, no one wants you to change, even if they want you to change. True. You said it again because you guys missed this. I heard it. it. You know what I'm saying? People want you to change. They don't want you to change. They really don't want you to to change. change. And because it's like you'll you'll pretty much be like, look, I'm sorry. I want to do this. Yes. So whatever. Sure you (laughs) want. You know, and that happens. And And it's the thing. It pervades. And here's the thing. You have to do it enough where people go, holy crap, they really are doing this. Like it almost blows more like this really is right for me it was communication. Whenever there was an argument that reared up, I would have to like sit by my tongue and like, and do things differently. And it was, it's different. It's a different feel and people aren't used to it, but that was the show up every day, be apologetic with the same guy, the same guy, the same guy. If I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'll work on it. Those kind of things show up or as a, as a father, right? The way you show up the same way I'm going to love, I'm going to show up. I'm going to cancel things. Actions matter. Right health-wise, same things. You got to find out what your things are. And typically they're going to be things that feel ridiculously uncomfortable. If they don't, you're not doing the right things. I'm sorry. It's just, it's the truth of it because it should feel like it's just not who you are right now. It should feel like you're in somebody else's shoes, but that other person's shoes are the shoes you want to get into. Right? So you got to think about it. So my stuff was communication, conversation. A lot of it was routine. I'd lost routine. When I left the NFL, most people don't realize like the NFL or college sports or any sport, really every day of your life is like organized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They tell you what to do, how to show up, what workouts to do, when practice is, what's happening during practice, when you're going to meet the thing, everything done. Then they drop you on the road and say, go figure your life out, son. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That's and right. so I'd lost all routine. And to be honest, a lot of us were routine based humans when you have no routine and no certainty for your routine, yep. you start and losing weight. And that's why a lot of athletes five years after they leave the sport financially struggle because of exactly yeah. what you're talking about. It's part um, of it for sure. Yeah, no doubt about if it. There is no routine. I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do today. Like, cause we're really good as humans of being in motion. We're happiest yep. in motion. There, there's some kind of magic in us flowing and doing like people who are like active, they're busy. They're good at being busy. But the problem is when you get busy and you realize like the busy didn't go anywhere, it's yeah. like, ah, you get disheartened and it sucks. And so for me, the biggest thing I had to do was find out what is the routine that I need to get to, to where I can get up and sprint through my life and not, not even think about is the right thing, but have secure certainty in it. For example, today I got started at six this morning. I have had a 15 minute break from this table since 6am and it is now 429 PM. Amazing. 10 and a half hours. I've been here. I'm not even kidding. I'm, I got like, I go to the bathroom. I don't got like pecans down here or anything, but I go to the bathroom. <laughs> I come back, but here's the, here's why I can do it. I do it. I'm, I'm on still. I'm rocking. I'm rolling. I'm going to go coach football in a minute. And it's not because of anything more than this day has been structured this way for three weeks. It's yeah. already been done. So I show up. And I trust the plan I created for my routine. Yep. I just get going, dude. And I close the day off and I look back at the day and go, hell yeah. I did all the things on the, on the schedule that had to do with my entire life being what I wanted to be, whether it's for right. health, for business, my marriage, for whatever it is. Yep. It's dialed, right? And it takes time to create that. So like my specific thing for me was I had to create a routine and create a discipline system to stay in that. And mine is different from anybody else in the world, but there are ways you can do it. And when you do it, you get to our company mission, like our vision statement, actually, it says to help people get to a limitless state of ridiculous power. Mm. And I, and I mean that like my clients, the language they say is like, I feel really powerful right now. Like that's what I want. Cause all that means is I'm in control. 
I got control on my day. I got control. I'm doing things today with certainty that'll bring about what I want tomorrow. But when you can create that, like that's where magic happens. Cause then you start falling in love with the day. Everything moves smooth and you reach the destinations and they're all so great. And we just keep rolling. And all of a sudden it's like, dude, you, you pop up, you know, like you ever go to the coffee shop and like, you, it's, I tell this all the time, you go to the coffee shop and I'm scrolling through my phone. I got to work. I'm scrolling through my phone and I'm seeing things that eventually I'm like, ah, I got to work. And I go to my computer and I start focusing. And the first five minutes, it's like difficult. 10 minutes in, it's difficult. But then after a while I pop up and go, well, where'd the last two hours go? <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's like, oh, all of a sudden I got into this flow. It's smooth. Right. When you start doing the things I'm talking about, what happens is the first day, two days are like that first week and like that two weeks in, it starts to kind of disappear. Like all the, it's just, it flows all of a sudden you pop up three months later, six months. It's like, what in the world? I'm, I got less body fat. I'm in shape. My marriage is good. My business is running smooth because you had it prepped primed and you were in that flow of just love in the day. Mm-hmm. And when you can get to the groove of that, man, it's smooth. And, and then we get out of the realm. I think we have a problem with society wise is we, we, we have all this. I think we're an epidemic of shelf esteem. Shall buy things, wow. like put them on the shelf, and I feel good. A bunch of information, but none of it's truly applied. Yep. And the yep. problem is no one knows how to put it in because they have no routines, no system, nothing in place. And for me, that was my thing too. Bought the books, the courses, all that kind of stuff. But I could not find a way to make it show up in my life and give me the result I wanted. And that's why I found out it wasn't a matter of what I knew. It was who I was with what I knew. Because there were moments in time where I'd get to like, I got to get this done. And I would be like, ah, I'd scroll on my phone or I would go and do stuff. I'd make an excuse of whatever was going on. And then I now ask this question to my clients that I asked of myself. And the question was, would the person who has everything I have and I want in my life right now, would they make the same excuse or stop right now? Anthony, how did you learn to go from why is this happening to me questions Mm -hmm. to how can I get better? What can I learn from this? Mm. How can I have fun during this process? How did you learn how to, because, because, you know, obviously turning shoulds into musts. I'm hearing yep. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you'll should all over yourself. Um, asking some pri- powerful primary questions I, and you're saying it out loud and I could, it's in your nervous system, which creates that power that you're talking about, which I think is incredible. And I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation. What is it about your makeup and how do you understand to ask us? Because our brains are like Google, whatever we ask, mm-hmm. it's going to show up. If we say, yeah. hey, Rob, why are you such a failure? It's going to point out all the different times in my life that I was a failure mm-hmm. instead of, hey, Rob, show me all the different things that you did that were successful and yeah. apply it to this situation. Then I could stack and build on that. So these are stuff that I, I have to work on because, listen, mm-hmm. every day we have 60,000 thoughts. And unless we're going to address those thoughts to our subconscious, you know, we're doomed to repeat those thoughts because it can call back 2 million years because we have a 2 million year old brain. For you, I'm hearing a lot of phenomenal prim- primary questions. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how do you know how to ask yourself the right kind of question? Yeah, yeah that's actually the, the, the wrong yeah. question. The American Science Foundation found it to be true. They said like some 80, 80% of our, our thoughts are negative and 95% of those are repetitive. So we have 60,000 mm. thoughts, it's consistent and it runs and it runs like a, like a damn machine. It's We're kind of like these computers with this identity that runs. But what I looked at, and this is actually a, a codified framework that you can I'm, I tell you guys right now, anybody who's here, feel free to write it down. And this is how I genuinely look at my life. Uh, we have a process where we look at failure incorrectly. And a lot of us have things we do. And you mentioned failure and failure becomes this thing where we've heard it before. Failure should be few and go fail often. But I don't think anybody like broke it down. So I was like, let me go research and figure something out. And I found out this really simple way of looking at it. And I think of it like there's six stacks six different blocks right and there's three on top and there's a what's called a learning line and then three on the bottom the very top one's called abject failure end of the world can't come back this is the pumpkin broke somebody died this is done right below that's called structural failure very big failure but it can be fixed but it'd be really 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 hard glorious failure this thing is busted i don't even want to deal with it i'm gonna smoke a stove and i'm gonna walk away now these three right here when most people experience them it, it hurts so bad emotionally i don't want to face it again I got divorced. I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to leave it. I don't want to think about it because when you do think about it, it hurts, right? So what do we end up doing? We keep dating the same kind of person with a different name because we don't learn a lesson, right? So it keeps the same thing, stupid cycle going over and over and over again. That's called the learning line right above the learning line. This stuff I don't typically learn from because I don't face it. Now we got below the learning line. This is where you start asking, like, where do you get the questions? How do you figure it out? This is exactly how. Below the learning line, you have what's called the very top one. It's called common failure. 
That's why the sorry was created. My bad. I won't let her do it again. Because sorry means I apologize. Not happening again. Below that's called version failure. Mm-hmm. This version broke down. It sucked. What can I do to make version 2.0, 3.0? So the iPhone 11 works, 12, 13, it'll be 75,000, right? Because every version, they got better. They didn't say, scratch the iPhone, it sucks. <clears throat> I'm going to go version 2.0 from what I learned. The bottom one where I like to live, it's called predicted failure, which means I go into this predicting something to go wrong. And when it goes wrong, I'm going to look at what's wrong with it. When I played sports, every day I went to practice, I knew I was going to get yelled at. It's predicted failure. Like I, I could pretty much be like, I'm, I'm going to go out here. I'm damn good, but I know I'm going to get yelled at for something, right? What happens in life is we take things that should be predicted or version or common, and we shoot it up to abject failure or structural failure or glorious failure. The, the business busted and broke down. I can't, I suck as a business person, <clears throat> right? My marriage fell apart. I'm not lovable anymore. No, yeah. that version of you sucked. Business is predictable failure. It's going to fail at some point. Fix it when it does. So I, when I looked and I understood this, I went back to my life and said, man, look at all these amazing past failures that I have up here way too high. Let me put them below the learning line and learn from them. So now I can garner new insight, new messages, new lessons for when I go, okay, what version of Anthony sucked as a husband? What version of him was not so great as a business owner? Where was he showing up in, in maybe in his health? right? Because every day you can go out there and eat a candy bar, right? It's predictable. I'm going to eat something that's nasty most of the day. So it's just all these weird things. And when you do that, you can go, oh, damn, look at all this fuel I now have to move forward. And not only that, I can press forward towards something new to be a new guy. And I'm not married to the outcome. I, I, my identity isn't rooted in the outcome. It's rooted in the effort hmm. of the version improvement, Powerful. of the predictability wow. improvement. So now that I'm the guy that's like, you know what, I'm going to try this thing. And if I fail, I'm not the failure Cool. I just, this is, I'm the guy that tried, man. You didn't try. Hey, I tried, bro. I did the best I could. Now I can show up differently every single day and do things, enjoy. And even if it on paper failed, it's like, yeah, but look, I got a lesson. Let's try version 3,125. You know, we just keep going. Constant, never ending improvement. Dave, what do you think, brother? Um, uh, I'm absolutely blown away. Predicted failure, common failure version. Anthony, when did you realize that these steps that you were putting in and these shifts and in patterns that you were putting in, when did you realize that you could monetize it? When did you realize that you could take it and turn it into a business and, and, and formate a business? Yeah. April, 2000, April, May, June, I think it was June, 2014. I walked into a, uh, an event called experts Academy with Brendan Burchard. <laughs> I had no idea any of this stuff actually worked by the way. I like it, it existed at all. Like I was a gym owner, former NFL athlete, and I walk in this room, everybody's like talking about their stories and hugging each other and high five. And I'm like, creepy weirdos. And, and next thing you know, like, <laughs> like two days in, I'm, I'm hugging and high fiving like the creepy weirdos, you know, like, yeah. and, and to be quite honest, what it was, is it was the first time that I'd, I'd actually had somebody, uh, you know, reveal to me the fact that the things we'd experienced, if you could understand why they happened, how they happened, you could bring benefit to other people's lives. That's when it kind of clicked. I was like, man, there is something to the purpose of all the crazy I've experienced in life that if I can take it and simplify it and understand it differently, I could then find a way to teach it and have people like, utilize it and apply it to their lives. And so for me, that, that merged with the odd skill set that I have to speak. I was always a kid that got in trouble for talking every day in school. Like I was always, <laughs> I'm talking always in trouble for stuff. And so it turned into like, I have this weird thing I've been doing of talking for so many years and in football, it's always talking, you're just bantering back and forth. Yeah. And now I had like, well, shoot, I know this, this story intimately. I know the experience. I, I don't, it was hard to share, but the more I shared it, the more I could like, the, the most important thing I can do is there are people out here with phenomenal lessons and people, if you could take it and apply it, it'd be great, but it never will work for someone if they don't connect to your heart of humanity. So like if, if I don't share my entire heart as a human, people are going to be like, oh, it's just some NFL guy that, you know, he's just saying some things that sound good. He saw somebody else. I'm like, no, bro, listen, I legit, like, I didn't want to be here anymore. My marriage fell apart. I was a horrible dad. Like, oh, this is real life, right? Yeah. These moments, like, then you're like, oh, I can, I actually see this guy has a heart. So the things that he's saying, I can listen to. So part of it was like, I could then give the, I could give you what I wanted to give you, but I had to give you more than I wanted to give you, if that makes sense. Yes, I could. I couldn't give this without having without first giving this. And that was the hard part for me and what I do now. But now that I do it, it's not I would never say it's easy, but it'd be, it's more normalized because hmm. when I when I do go back and emotionally have to tuck into it, because you'll hear me say things and blaze by them real quick. 
when I got to stop and stay there for a minute, bro, it sucks. Mm -hmm. Like I feel it. So I'll say things quickly and move past if you notice, but like on a stage or somewhere, I'm really going in. Like I, I will hold and it hurts, but the only way I'm going to get them to hear the things I need them to hear and have it resonate is if I allow them to meet me there. Yeah. Yeah. Unpack it. Um, Have you, how's your relationship with your siblings, you know, today? All your different journeys. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of 11 spread out between all of them. On my dad's side, my biological dad's side, I have an older sister, younger brother. I don't really talk to him much, but you know, if I saw him, we'd have dinner and hang out. It wouldn't be a problem. My biological half-siblings, I have three, two sisters, one brother. We're good standing. We talk. We have, you know, just there's, each one of them has some different things going on in life, but it's like I didn't grow up with them. So I don't have, it sucks. I don't have that same deep connection, but I love them. Like I would yeah. take a bullet for them, right? But then I have like my family I grew up with, very dysfunctional. My older brother's, Mexican guy, my, my other siblings are all white, you know, like legit, like my dad looks like Homer in real life. It's just, <laughs> it's just my life. It's very awkward. And, and uh, but at the same so time, is that, is that where you go for Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinners? Is that, all that is stuff, that, man? Is that where the barbecues are? It's where the barbecues at. Now, but funny that- thing is my dad, he now, he married a black woman. So people are like, Oh, your mom, like, no, it's not my mom. Like, it's just- <laughs> My mom passed away. My, my adoptive mom passed away. He remarried a black woman. And so like, oh, it makes sense. I'm like, ah, oh, no, it doesn't. But it, it, I guess so. it makes <laughs> it feel better. <laughs> but no, it's just, it's just different, man. And then my siblings, we are, we do. So my mom passed away. We've been much closer. In sense of, yep. Yeah, thank you. Just being able to, to kind of keep it going. My sister, Vanessa, she's really good at being the glue. She's like, she's in Richmond, Virginia and does her thing with her husband out there. And I mean, just cool. Like we do, you know, every other Sunday we do like a zoom meeting, hop on and catch up. My brother's wow. over in Germany, one sister's in Texas and it's just, they're everywhere. But, but yeah, man, I am, I'm a family man. The, the core of me though, I'm not going to lie. The one dynamic of my humanity that's very weird yep. is like out of sight, out of mind. I will sit here and I will think about you and I will love, I will love you in my heart, but I don't, it doesn't click to reach out. And I, I even, I'm, a, I'm aware of it. And I, I don't that. reach I mean, out. I, it's odd. I but get my family, when you're here, like you're the, I, you're all that matters when you're here. Yep. So like my family, man, I, I have this deep connection to humans, but I do with everybody. I have a lot of acquaintances in business that I meet and I, when you're here, Oh, I love you. How you doing? And yeah. then I won't talk to you for like three years. Not because I don't love you, but I just yeah. didn't think of you. I didn't see you on. or I did yep. think of you and I just didn't think to reach it. It's so weird, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I'm rooted deeply to the people that are around me. So like my family, man, it's, it's an anchor and so much. So my oldest goes off to college next year. Mm. It's already unsettling me big time. It's, and it's not the, here's the thing for some people, it's the empty nest. What do I do? Obviously I got something to do. I'm not worried about that. Like I'm, I got things to do with my day. The thing is, it's like, I think growing up in, in foster care, I've always wanted that anchored rooted family connected. So now when one of them is leaving, it unsettles me. The thought that like, he's not going to be in his room when I want him to be in his room to go say good night every night. Yeah. Or I'm gonna have to text him or call him. Or like the fact that you spend 95% of the time with your kids during their lifetime before they leave at 18 for college or work. Like after that, that window's small, scares the dog crap out of me, man. So like, but it's a family thing. It's a root for me. That is, it's i uh, I'm aware of it. I work yeah. through it. I think of it, but I'm, I'm presently aware of how it works. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, you, and what you're bringing today is tremendous insight life experience, uh, wisdom. Um, I love what you talked about on how to really view challenges, not the word failure, but, but there's different layers and levels of challenges. And mm-hmm. when people put themselves into the situation of, I missed the jump shot, the world's going to end. I'm just going to use mm-hmm. that analogy. That's not yeah. the right way to do it Mm-mm. versus, Hey, I missed the jump shot. Maybe if I got my elbow in and I bent my knees a little bit more, I wouldn't have hit the front of the bit in front of the rim. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and kind of focusing on the micro distinctions. And I think for myself and Dave, um, you know, we, you know, we're part of a company called Epic financial strategies. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our own independent RIA as well as a insurance division. And um, we got with a couple of guys, one guy in particular, Sean Callagy, uh founder of unblinded. I met him through and after the Tony Robbins ecosystem and Sean has created what he calls or what it's called as a formula of predictable outcomes in sales, but you can really apply it to anything in life. Um, and this formula has taken us from eight to over 700 as a group, new sales meetings a month. And to your mm-hmm. point, our team, we have customized planning for each and every individual that we sit down with. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a cookie cutter approach by term insurance and invest the difference into a 401k 
we actually sit down collectively as a group and make sure that when we're talking to individual folks, that there's a full understanding of, you know, what their goals and objectives are, what their core values are. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, Anthony, and this is rampant in our industry, what their relationship with money looks like. Is it scarce? Is it abundant? Why is it mm-hmm. scarce? How do yep. we dig deep into the generational scarcity that takes place? How do we then dispel the, dispel the money uh, myths that, that a lot of folks go through based on misinformation or to your point, um, you know, TikTok and scrolling through and seeing the Bitcoins and, you know, all the other things that, that could go up uh, once in a lifetime, 3000%, but then all of a sudden people foolishly using their credit card or their savings uh, to purchase things that doesn't sit and fit with their core values. And one of the things that we did, one of our partners is Chris Crone. He's a, he's a, Hello, Chris. So, yeah. Oh, we just talked about it. We just had like a conversation, of course. But yeah, I, I saw his videos well before you even told me about him. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's our partner here. And um, uh, Chris has, um, he uses a strategy with us where we begin to overfund uh, cash value life insurance policies, have the money build up, and then he takes the money and buys rental real estate, single family homes. Mm-hmm. Purchased over 4,000 in the last 10 years, has over a billion dollars in real estate. I say that because- everything you're talking about, there was a system and a structure behind that. And we've kind of adopted that into our, our planning practice. And what happened is uh, we made Chris a partner. And once you begin to make people partners in ecosystem mergers and create LLC strategies that allow people to own a piece of a company, the revenue share becomes very, not only healthy, mm-hmm. integrous, and there's an overall strategy of really helping this, the public to truly understand um, what money looks like in their relationship with money. Because once their relationship with money changes for the good to make the world a better place, then like everything you're talking about, exponentiality begins to take place. And um, people begin to live the, the life that they want to live. Dave, did you want to add anything to that, um, you know, that I may have missed? Yeah. No, I mean, from a standpoint, a standpoint of partnership and exponential growth, um, you know, I, I was curious, uh, Anthony, okay. You had a, you know, obviously you, you had the shift in mindset, right? You had the shift, but, but you had to put, you know, you had to put strategy into developing business. So who did you model building out the business after who do you continue to model after and who do you look to partner with? Yeah. I'll put one caveat. I did not, I did not shift the mindset. I shifted the identity. Excuse me, the identity. Yeah. Yep. It's a big piece. I, it, it's interesting because it, it, it does. Can flow. you dig into that, Anthony? Dig into yeah, that. I'll do it so real quick. For, so a lot of people go with the idea of mindset. And I, I think mindset's this kind of thing in motion. Like when I'm in motion, I have my mindset, but there's a lot of like mindset tactics and techniques and all that kind of stuff. There'll be a point in time in which you don't have one and we'll present something to you that you can't rely on just mindset alone to work through. It's got to be who you are to solve that, who you are to overcome. Like a boxer can go into there with a great mindset and a, a ring, and all of a sudden the game plan that he had, the tactic, it goes out the window. Either he'll lay down or stand up based on who he sees himself as. If I am a boxer, it doesn't matter what tactic, strategy, but I'm going to find a way to win this damn fight. That is who I am. And so with mindset, a lot of people, they, there is a level at which it will I'll reach the end of it. So they do like mindset 1.0, 2.0. But when you think about people who are successful, <laughs> like they, they do things. And what I've noticed is like, if you ask a person or look at people who are like, you know, Hey, well, how are you successful? They don't do it like, Oh, cause I got a great mindset. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll say that, like, we'll say that they got a great mindset, but I don't walk in like, I'm great. Cause I got a great mindset. Literally. It's like, you know, I just, I get things done or I just, I do work. I show up. You know, I, 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 I do this. I am this. And that showed me like it's actually something that's tucked inside of that identity. And there's a, a Venn diagram you can see. But so when I tell people that, it's like I just want to make sure people understand that mindset's a piece of it. It is a definitive a piece of it, but it's not the bigger things. If you just focused on mindset, not the rest of it, you wouldn't actually get the results you seek. Uh, the business modeling, so to speak, I think I did like everybody else. I was like, what else, what exists out there that looks cool to me that would be fun to do? And you know, it's it's courses and webinars and it's speeches and it's, you know, and quizzes and all these little things. And the more you do, the more you figure out what not to do. I think that's kind of where I went through the process. And then what I actually got to the point of realizing is, is when you are successful in business, business is boring. To be honest, man, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things when, when you're good at it and you're doing things smooth, the excitement comes from stuff like this or being in speeches or in session. 
But the rest of it is just, it's numbers and process and testing and tracking and tweaking and testing and tracking and tweaking Damn. because it, it should be that way. I think, cause if not, then you're, you're, if you get up every day hoping your hair's on fire to get results, then at one point you're going to wake up and your hair's not on fire. So you don't get results. <laughs> so it should be somewhat boring, the process yeah. and the systems and that. So those that I've seen, man, like think about how, I don't know, probably think about like the, the joint, the chiropractic spot or, you know, massage envy or any chain or franchise. It's pretty much here's a book, read the book, go do your thing. And it's, it's boring. Yeah. You know, the, the excitement's in the interactions that you have with the people that, that are able to experience what you've created because things are taken care of. So I modeled my businesses off people that, that looked boring. <laughs> Their businesses look boring. I was like, what are they doing? That's just the same thing every day, all day. And then I'm like, oh, like, well, the coaching stuff is great. I love speaking. That's great. But even those things are systematic. How my team yep, runs yep. those systematic, how we track, how we tweak, how we scale. I have meetings on numbers that aren't that fun. But they allow me to be able to like, you know what, I can I can do my day until five o'clock, hang with you guys. And I'm not stressed off of are we making revenue or am I serving people like it just rolls. Yep. So, yeah, I model my business of a few different people. Th- thank you uh, for sharing that. And I just know that you have to go coach in nine minutes. So what I'd like to with your permission, Anthony, yeah. if any of our guests, maybe one or two people have questions, I'd love to be. Yeah, able to, let's do it to see if we could. Um, and Dave, I just can't see what that class is. So. <clears throat> If anybody has a question for Anthony, please, number one, raise your hand, and then we can unmute you and put you on. Uh, we have Klaus Bartram. Klaus, go ahead and unmute yourself, brother. He's not famous. Hey, what's up, Ant? How you doing? What's up, guys? Good. Good. How you doing, Klaus? It's a cool name. I like that. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. It's funny. I have a house full of people, and I'm, I'm outside in the backyard talking to you guys. It's like a monsoon, so if I'm breaking up, <laughs> I apologize. Um, hey, awesome story. Fantastic story. Um, and in the beginning – what uh it's it, your story and you know my wife and i always have this discussion like my wife's a, a big disney person i hate disney and, and and i hate it because you know you watch these movies they're all heartbreaking the 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 family you know they lose their family in the first two minutes in a movie and mm-hmm. you know and my wife's like well you know because the main character has to grow up fast you know and that's what yeah. disney does you know they're growing up fast and they're they're doing what they have to do um so with that said what's the biggest you know i guess uh the biggest thing that came out of that for you, like, you know, uh, the, the, the contribute to your success, like you know, the biggest strength you had from growing up the way you did. Um, if any. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot. I think one of them is the fact that I'm not going to die. Like I might actually die doing some things, but the majority of the things I do, I'm not going to die. So like, if you're not going to die, don't freak out. Uh, the other part of it is I am, I'm ridiculously adaptable. I, I, when you're in that system and that environment, you have to find out how to survive in it how to not get beaten, how to get food, you have to be charismatic, you have to understand things. I got to adapt to my environment incredibly quickly or I, I just won't survive quite literally. And there's a statement I love. It's like a quote and it says, a smooth sea makes not a skilled sailor. Mm. And for me, it was like this thing where I learned that years after. But when I look back at my childhood, man, I was learning these weird skills of how to navigate rough seas by being incredibly adaptable. So that as I get older in life, where some people didn't have rough seeds, when things hit them later in life, they have more responsibilities. There's more that goes wrong. Whereas for me, when things have happened later in life, like I'm good. So like when the pandemic hit, I get it. A lot of people like the crap hit the fan and they, they went spinning with it. And, and I, I'm not, I don't discount that. I fully grasp it. And so what happens, I sit there and I realize like, that's my asset. That's the one thing that's been great for me is, well, everybody else is like below deck on the ship, holding on to something, hoping it doesn't capsize. I'm on the top of the deck, sipping tea, screaming at the rain, like, let's do it. And it, it's not this like bravado thing. It's just like, I understand how that emotion feels. When I, when I have it come in, I'm, 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 I got a relationship with it. I'm aware of it. I know what it feels like. And I go, okay, I'm not going to listen to you. That gets all scared and quiet. I'm like, hey, I, I hear you. Why is it coming up? Let me see what's going on. Oh, I see that. All right, hey, shut up for a second. Let me go do this over here. And I go try some things and I play with some things because I realize I'm not going to die and I can adapt to things. And so I just, I step into stuff and I realize this one statement that is powerful to me is action ends suffering. Mm. When we're in these nomadic places and things suck, there's a suffering that comes in. It's this, this feeling of just pain and disdain and anger. It's a suffering. The only way I will stop it is through some kind of action. You know, inaction doesn't stop it. Inaction prolongs it. But if I want to stop it, it may be something I don't feel like doing right now, but that's all that will stop that. That's where adaptability comes in. I have to adapt to it by taking an action in the direction of where I don't feel like going, but I do it because I know I'm not going to die. And then all of a sudden, the suffering ends and I'm good. 
that's definitely something I learned growing up. Wow, thank you for that. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Good yeah, luck. Welcome. Thank you. Anthony, um, real quick, talk about the book. The book's coming out on August 24th. It is. Um, yeah, yeah. Just love the book. <laughs> you, got, you got it over there? I think, I think I got one floating around. <laughs> I suppose you're supposed to have this thing like on deck, right? That's what they tell you. Yeah. Then, like ready to go. I don't, I don't know. I'm not. How, lo- how long did it take you to write it, Anthony? It took me 10 days to write the book. Amazing. But it took me like three months to prepare for it. So I'm, I'm okay. not going to lie. So here's the book. It's it. What I did is I took the concept of identity and made it clear and took the process that I teach and put it in the back half. So the first half is concept. Second half is action. If you go to identityshiftbook.com and use the code live, after you've bought the book, you'll be able to get the free audiobook afterwards, digital book, and then a workbook. But what I did is like, I, my brain works in structure and process. I was like, what do I want in the book? And what I really did the first few months is like, I wrote down slowly, what are the concepts that if I was to explain to somebody identity that I would need to make sure there, what are the stories I'd want to include from my life to make it make sense? And what are the, like the studies I may want to include? And I just made a list on Evernote. And then at some point I was just talking with somebody about it. And eventually like, Hey, I got this guy as a publisher. I'm like, I don't know. And so I went and talked to him and he's like, it looks like you got the damn thing ready to go. Just write it. So I organized my life in a way. Like, again, my, my plan is a big piece of my life, man. If I don't have that plan, tell me what to do. I'm all over the place, but I just blocked out stuff. And I said, today is chapter one. So I would sit down with the structure. I'd organize in what chapter flow, what order, here's the story, here's the study. And then I just put headphones in and I just put my head down in the first five minutes, 10 minutes, like I'm not focused. And all of a sudden five hours went by yeah. and the, the first chapter is done. And then what I do is I can, I can close the book for the day and move on. Cause I yeah. run my life in a way to where I'm not like, I don't keep things in my head. Too many people have all the things they got to do floating in their head, not in a planner, not scheduled out. So what happens is even if I am working on chapter one, I'm thinking about chapter two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm all over the place. So I can never yeah. really focus and get it done or same with projects. So like I can organize things and put them in a space to where it's like, I can close this book right now. I can go watch a show on TV with my, my kids and hang out. And I have zero stress because I know it's going to get done when it's supposed to get done yeah. as long as I do what I'm supposed to do on that day. So that's how I wrote the book, man. I just had it structured, sat down, it started to start typing, pay things out. The book got written. Amazing. I'm looking forward to reading it too, by the way. Yeah, um, thank you. Is there any other questions? Uh, if, if there are any other questions, I, I'm, Danny, I can't really see the chat, but if there are any other questions, if, go ahead and unmute yourself. We have uh, about two more minutes for Anthony, and I have one last question for him. Don't, uh, don't see any at this point. Uh, so, Anthony, my last question for you before I turn it back over to Rob is, um, you know, when you, when, when you leave this earth, right, what do you want to be best remembered for? Um. My eyebrows? No, I'm kidding, man. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they are. They are very. You know very what? Nice, bro. Just, so I, I <laughs> Dave, Dave just complimented your eyebrows, by the way. That's, that's <laughs> you know. It's it's just weird. They are weird eyebrows. Like uh, people think, like, do you pluck them? I don't do anything. To but them. he did it's just compliment your eyebrows. That's thank you, thank you, dog. I like. Uh, I got you, you know, bro. I've actually got. That, I've had this thought of like, I came into the world, and when I came into the world, I didn't have anybody. My mom didn't want me. You know, like, so like, if I if I leave if I leave the world having done things to people's lives that have them want to see me off. So if I have a really big funeral, I will have done it right in whatever manner, whatever way. If people want to come hang out by then, it'll be like, you can, it's going to be a virtual damn, you know, funeral. I'm going to be a year to be putting goggles on and hanging out. And it's going to be weird if you think about it. But the idea is like, if I do it right, man, I will have done things in a world that allow me to love my family, show up in a good way, but also touch people's lives in a positive manner where they go, that dude, he, he did something special for my, my thing I'm doing here. However, it happens. I don't know, but that's the goal, man. I'll have done it right if people want to see me off. Awesome. Amazing. Awesome. Wow, take and us and out. thank you, Dave, for uh, co-hosting and setting us up. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it, y'all. And, and Anthony, you are an amazing guest. I'd love to have a private conversation offline, maybe sometime uh, next week, just to share some some thoughts. Um, oh, me up. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing your experience, your strength, and your hope. Um, you know, for us, we want to make sure that we could co-create and develop uh, good energy with folks that um, make a difference in the world, make the world a better place, one person at a time, one story at a time, one strategy at a time. Mm-hmm. And um, once again, your your story was amazing. And thank you for sharing. Thank you for being part of our journey tonight. Yeah, hey, welcome, man. Thank you guys for putting it together, man. It's just uh, it's cool things. Like I just get to come hang out. But you guys do the work to make it possible. So kudos to you too. Yes, appreciate it. And the guys and the magic people behind the screen that I can't see. They are magical. Shout out Trust to my me. boys. Yes. Yeah. Have a great practice tonight with your son. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, everybody.
Okay, Anthony. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week on Infinity X. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infinity X. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching We Are Infinity X. Until next time.